Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. We're going to do Alma chapter 57 this time. Uh, again, this is a continuation of uh, Helaman's letter to Moroni. Uh, last last chapter, the stripling warriors were able to, to defeat the Lamanites with uh, Antipas and his people. And uh, they've sent a group of prisoners of war now, the Lamanite prisoners of war, off to um, uh, Zarahemla. So let's see what happens next. Verse 1, Now it came to pass that I received an epistle from Amaron, the king, stating that if I would deliver up those prisoners of war whom we had taken, that he would deliver up the city of Antipara unto us. But I sent an epistle unto the king that, he were, that we were sure our forces were sufficient to take the city of Antipara by our force, and by delivering up the prisoners for that city, we should suppose ourselves unwise, and that we would only deliver up our prisoners on exchange." And Amaron refused my epistle. This sounds like they've uh, kind of, they've really abbreviated the epistle this time, haven't they? Remember the last time how they uh, exchanged barbs back and forth? This time this, this show doesn't have that, so this is probably just an abridgment of the letters. For he would not exchange prisoners, therefore we began to preparations, we began to make preparations to go against the city of Antipara. But the people of Antipara did leave the city and fled to the other, to their other, other cities which they had possession to fortify them, and thus the city of Antipara fell into our hands. Uh, Hugh Nibley said, verse 4 is the turning point of the war. From now on, everything starts to slow down and go downward. There's a psychological point when you can tell which way it is going to go. The war can drag on for years, and yet you know how it is going to turn out. It's an interesting thing. Verse 5, and thus ended the 20 and 8th year of the reign of the judges. And it came to pass that in the commencement of the 20 and 9th year, so this is 63 BC, we received a supply of provisions and also in addition to our army from the land of Zarahemla and from the land round about to the number of 6,000 men besides 60 of the sons of, of the Ammonites who had come to join their brethren, my little band of 2,000. I wonder if they had just turned 16 and that's why they came, uh, came with them. I don't know, I'm just making that up. And now behold, we were strong, yea, and we had also plenty of provisions brought unto us. And it came to pass that it was our desire to wage a battle with the army, which was placed to protect the city Cumani. And now behold, I will show unto you that we soon accomplished our desire, yea, with our strong force, or with a part of our strong force, we did surround by night the city Cumani, a little before they were to receive a supply of provisions. And it came to pass that we did camp round about the city for many nights, but we did sleep upon our swords and keep guards that the Lamanites could not come upon us by night and slay us, which they attempted many times, but as many times as they attempted this, their blood was spilt. At length, their provisions did arrive, and they were about to enter the city by night, and we, instead of being Lamanites, were Nephites. Therefore, we did take them and their provisions. And notwithstanding, I wonder if that was April Fool's night or something. Anyway, and notwithstanding the Lamanites being cut off from their support, I'm sorry, I probably shouldn't have said that. After this manner, they were still determined to maintain the city. Therefore, it became expedient that we should take those provisions and send them to Judea and our prisoners to the land of Zarahemla. Sounds like Zarahemla is getting a lot of prisoners here. And it came to pass that not many days had passed away before the Lamanites began to lose all hopes of succor. Therefore, they yielded up the city into our hands, and thus we had accomplished our designs in obtaining the city Cumani. 
And it came to pass that, or was it Kumani? I don't know. But it came to pass that our prisoners were so numerous that notwithstanding the enormity of our numbers, we were obliged to employ all our force to keep them or to put them to death. For behold, they would break out in great numbers and would fight with stones and with clubs or whatsoever thing they could get into their hands, insomuch that we did slay upwards of 2,000 of them after they had surrendered themselves prisoners of war. I guess as they're walking, they're gathering up sticks and stones and stuff. You'd think that they'd make sure that the Lamanites didn't have access to that kind of stuff. Maybe they couldn't help it. Verse 15, Therefore it became expedient for us that we should put an end to their lives or guard them sword in hand down to the land of Zarahemla. And also our provisions were not any more than sufficient for our own people, notwithstanding that which we had taken from the Lamanites. And now in those critical circumstances, it became a very serious matter to determine concerning these prisoners of war. Nevertheless, we did resolve to send them down to the land of Zarahemla. Therefore, we selected a part of our men and gave them charge over our prisoners to go down to the land of Zarahemla. I have a feeling this isn't going to work out very good. But it came to pass that on the morrow they did return, and now behold, we did not inquire of them concerning the prisoners, probably better not to ask. For behold, the Lamanites were upon us, and they returned in season to save us from falling into their hands. For behold, Amaron had sent to their support a new supply of provisions and also a, a numerous army of men. And it came to pass that those men whom, he, whom we sent with the prisoners did arrive in season to check them as they were about to overpower us. But behold, my little band of 2,060 fought most desperately. Yea, they were firm before the Lamanites and did administer death unto all those who opposed them. And as the remainder of our army were about to give way before the Lamanites, behold, the, those 2,060 were firm and undaunted. Yea, and they did obey and observe to perform every word of command with, with exactness. In order to obey military commands, they must have been trained in combat somehow. Elder McConkie taught, Obedience is the first law of heaven, the cornerstone upon which all righteousness and progression rest. The full expression of righteousness and progression in mortality is to have one's calling and election made sure. Joseph Smith taught that obedience with exactness is a prerequisite. After a person has faith in Christ, repents of his sins and is baptized, then let him continue to humble himself before God, hungering and thirsting after righteousness and living by every word of God. And the Lord will soon say unto him, Son, thou shalt be exalted. When the Lord has thoroughly proved him and finds that the man is determined to serve him at all hazards, then the man will find his calling and his election made sure. That was by Joseph Smith. All right, um, here's another quote. Uh, I find the elements of obedience within this verse fascinating. What is the motivation for obeying with exactness? Could this be seen as blind obedience? Blind obedience is sheep following sheep, while following in exactness is sheep following the shepherd, and Christ is the good shepherd. This is the same principle the Lord was teaching the saints in 1832 when he said, I, the Lord, am bound when you do what I say, but when you do not what I say, you have no promise. By obeying Helaman's orders with exactness, they were showing they did not doubt the Lord's promise made to them through their mothers. The stripling warriors must have been aware that their obedience to their leaders was an extension of their obedience to their God. This was not a new concept to the Nephites. Their obedience to Helaman's command was more than swift, it was exact. A celestial strategy was involved, even in that mortal battlefield. They had been promised that if they did, did not doubt, that they should be preserved by his, God's marvelous power. Would it have been possible for them to support their God without supporting their leaders? This is the ultimate test of obedience, to show one's allegiance to a perfect and infallible God by how we obey those less than perfect who are called to lead us. And that was by Doug Bassett. Continuing verse 20, 21, Yea, and even according to their faith, it was done unto them. And I did remember the words which they had said unto me that their mothers had taught them. 
Now behold, it was, the, it was these my sons and those men who had been selected to convey the prisoners to whom we owe this great victory, for it was they who did beat the Lamanites. Therefore, they were driven back to the city of Manti. And we retained our city, Cumani, and were not all destroyed by the sword. Nevertheless, we had suffered great loss. And it came to pass that after the Lamanites had fled, I immediately gave orders that my men should, who had been wounded should be taken from among the dead and caused that their wounds should be dressed. And it came to pass that there were 200 out of my 2,060 who had fainted because of the loss of blood. Had the war not ended quickly, these that had fainted with the loss of blood probably would have died without swift medical attention. Continuing verse 25, Nevertheless, according to the goodness of God and to our great astonishment, and also the joy of our whole army, there was not one soul of them who did perish, yea, and neither was there one soul among them who had not received many wounds. And now their preservation was astonishing to our whole army. Yea, that they should be spared while there was a thousand of our brethren who were slain. And we do justly ascribe it to the miraculous power of God because of their exceeding faith in that which they had been taught to believe, that there was a just God and whosoever did not doubt that they should be preserved by his marvelous power. Now this was the faith of these of whom I have spoken. They are young and their minds are firm and they do put their trust in God continually. It's interesting, isn't it, how young people are often called to... Uh, to do great things. We know Joseph Smith was only 14 when he saw the first vision. Uh, Samuel was just uh, really small when he was called as a prophet. Um, and so this is often the case that uh, those that are young uh, are called into service uh, at that point. Very interesting, I think. Verse 28, now it came to pass that after we had thus taken care of our wounded men and had buried our dead and also the dead of the Lamanites, who were many, behold, we did inquire of Gid concerning the prisoners whom they had started to go down to the land of Zarahemla with. Now Gid was the chief captain over the band who was appointed to guard them down to the land. And now these are the words which Gid said unto me, behold, we did start to go down to the land of Zarahemla with our prisoners. And it came to pass that we did meet the spies of our armies who had been sent out to watch the camp of the Lamanites. And they cried unto us, saying, Behold, the armies of the Lamanites are marching towards the city of Cumani, and behold, they will fall upon them, yea, and will destroy our people. And it came to pass that our prisoners did hear their cries, which caused them to take courage, and they did rise up in rebellion against us. Maybe that was a better idea not to make so much uh, of a to-do about it and just kind of quietly uh, deal with this. And it came to pass that because of their rebellion, we did cause that our swords should come upon them. And it came to pass that they did in a body run upon our swords, in the which the greater number of them were slain, and the remainder of them broke through and fled from us. And behold, when they had fled and we could not overtake them, we took our march with speed towards the city of Cumani. And behold, we did arrive in time that we might assist our brethren in preserving the city. And behold, we are again delivered out of the hands of our enemies, and blessed is the name of our God. For behold, it is he that has delivered us, yea, that has done this great thing for us. Now it came to pass that when I, Helaman, had heard these words of Gid, I was filled with exceeding joy because of the goodness of God in preserving us, that we might not all perish. Yea, and I trust that the souls of them who have been slain have entered into the rest of their God. I bear testimony of the truth of these things, that this uh, Book of Mormon that we're reading is uh, translated by the gift and power of God, and that we can learn some spiritual insights as we read these uh, war stories. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.